Welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Here at Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and for your family, to live a life of fullness and to be faithful to Christ and His church. If you want to know more about who we are at Declaration Church, then I highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. Hey, it's good to be here this morning. Really quickly, just wanted to highlight a few things. First, let's dismiss our fifth and sixth grade, so I don't forget that. If you're in fifth or sixth grade, yeah, come on. Hey, keep clapping and welcome everyone joining us online from the online fam this morning. Awesome, way to go. Um, Christmas bash, I can't say it enough. I, I, I was talking to uh, Caroline, who leads our events team this morning, and, and some of the other events team out there. Do you realize that it takes 85 different people across Christmas Bash to make Christmas Bash happen, and that does not include setup and pack up. 85 different people. And so guess what? I think we have six signed up. So who's happy to be here, anybody? Let me see your hands. Are you happy to be here? All right, everybody just volunteered. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can't lie. You're in the house of God. All right, so awesome. But anyway, go out to that, uh, that information table out there. There's a, a QR code you can scan and you can sign right up there to serve. There's many places to serve. There's di- different uh, time frames. So you're going to be able to enjoy it with your family as well. But man, we want to love our community well, right? We want to practice that irresistible hospitality and radical generosity. So please do that. It's going to be an incredible time um, on December 3rd. Thank you. <laughs> it's already November. All right. Um, oh, one more thing. Shane and Hannah, where are you at? Shane and Hannah. Shane and Hannah Spangler. Are you in the house? Where are they at? There they are. Y'all come here for just a second. I want to honor this couple right here. Can we just celebrate them for a second? I told Hannah a while ago when, when, when they were um, in rehearsals, you know, worship team rehearsals, before service, I said, I think that God wrote that song for you to lead. Um, there's just such an anointing um, on her in worship, and I've loved watching to see that develop. Um, I want to I tell you, Shane has been country before country was cool, y'all. You need to understand, all right? I mean, look at this guy. He looks like he belongs on a cologne ad running through the woods, punch dancing, you know, like they do. But um, <laughs> I'm not, everybody just got that visual, right? <laughs> I did too. Um, I've known Shane since I think you're 15 years old. Probably. Yeah, one of the first people that I talked to when, when we were starting to catalyze vision around what Declaration Church was going to be was Shane. And Shane said, I want to be a part of that. Quit his job, moved down here, did not have a paycheck. I mean, we didn't have a church yet. And there was no, there was no you know, it was just, I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm here to, to, I'm here to make it happen, whatever needs to happen. And he's worn like probably four or five different hats over the last seven years now. And God is shifting them into a new season. They're staying here. They're in the house. They're not going anywhere. So we love that, obviously. And they want to serve the kingdom. They want to serve and continue to build the kingdom of God through declaration. But I wanted to honor them. I mean, there is a heart in this couple. And, and even when we met Hannah, it was, it, if you've ever wanted to see a picture of God creates the perfect person just for you, and you trust him for the paths to collide, this is the couple right here. I mean, look, they even kind of look alike. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're short like each other, and, and now have you seen their, their baby? Their baby is like a Gerber baby. It makes you want to, you know, not, anyway, jealousy. But this is an amazing couple, and, and I just want to honor him because he's had such a heart for God, such a heart for kingdom, such a heart for the church, 
and still has that. You know, God's given them an opportunity to have some, some real missional vision and, um, and who, how, you know, how they want to serve, who they want to love in different ways that a lot of people may not see very easily. In fact, we're going to talk about that just a little bit here in a minute. Not them, but just that concept. And so I just want to honor them and thank them. I mean, they, they continue to pour out and continue to pour out. And here's the funny thing is, just like Shane did for a long time in the beginning, I mean, he's committed to still serve. And so he's going to be around. It's, gonna, it's not going to look much different. But you know what? I, it would be a miss if we didn't honor and celebrate the years of faithful 24-7, trust me, 24-7 service the work of the hands that have happened here, and then Hannah jumping into worship. And so I'm so thankful that God is keeping them here. And I'm so thankful that we get to continue to enjoy that worship anointing and the heart of service that's here. So can we just honor them and and pray for them? We're gonna pray for them. And why don't y'all come down here? If you feel led to come and just surround them as God has taken them to a new season, new opportunity, new business stuff. Um, Shane's already launched a new business and so um, we just want to ask God's blessing and provision and thank the Lord for who this couple is. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Shane and Hannah. Thank you for your anointing over their life, over their marriage. God, thank you that I've had such a cool, unique front row seat for so many things that involve this couple. And thank you that you brought them to this family. Lord, we look forward to what you're doing in the days to come. We celebrate, we honor them. And God, we know that you've got something so profoundly special because you've given them such a profoundly special heart for the least of these, for people who you deeply love. And so God, we just pray that you would open every door for them to walk through. Thank you for the new vision for new marketplace idea, um, the things that you've, you've put in their heart for creating. God, you're the ultimate creator, and, and God, they get to live that, that image of God out in the things that they do. So confirm the work of their hands. We ask you to continue to be their provider, and thank you, God, that you've given them such deep purpose, and thank you for them being a part of this family. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, somebody. Okay, all right. Well, if you've got your Bible, we're gonna be in a couple places. We're gonna start in Luke 14 if you wanna go there. It was an accidental text message. Maybe you've heard this story, I don't know. But it was an accident. It was a text message that was literally an accident sent by one unsuspecting grandmother to her grandson, um, which launched into this six-year, very interesting relationship. Her name was Wanda Dench of Arizona. And uh, we'll show you a picture in a second. Now, she thought she was texting her grandson to remind him that he had an invitation to Thanksgiving Day. And um, instead, she didn't know that he had changed his phone number. And so she texted someone named Jamal Hinton. And this is the picture of them. We'll show you who who they are. Uh, Maybe. There they go. So she accidentally texted Jamal. Now, He responds, oh, I think I'm sorry. I think you have the wrong phone number. And and this messaging starts to happen. And then he says, but hey, could I still get a plate? And in grandmotherly fashion, Dench responds by saying, of course you can. That's just what grandmas do. And this is where the story really begins. Now, who would have thought that a heart of hospitality and just a simple invitation would change the lives of so many people? Because that's exactly what happened. And that's what's happening still now six years Later, six years have gone by. Neither of them have let Thanksgiving um, pass 
without continuing their annual tradition now of connecting. Even in the year 2020, when, when Wanda lost, tragically lost her husband of 42 years to COVID, they still connected. Jamal brought his girlfriend slash fiance to meet Wanda. They connected. Today, Jamal refers to Wanda as Grandma Wanda. And now he spends time with her even outside of Thanksgiving. Now, their story has inspired countless of people. I mean, countless all around the world, literally so much so that their story is now being turned into a heartwarming holiday movie called The Thanksgiving Text. You never know what just a bit of kindness and care will do in someone's life when you open your heart to simply love people well, right? Wanda and Jamal issued a joint statement to Variety Magazine not long ago saying this, we are so blessed to find a genuine friendship brought together by God from a mistaken text message. Now, how cool is that? You know, we, we, we may not have that story, but I, I can tell you that God has uniquely positioned each and every one of us in our own lane, writing his story in and through us. That's an incredible story, obviously, of someone who realizes there's always more room at their table. Can I still get that play, though? <laughs> of course you can. Of course you can. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter if you look like me, sound like me, think like me, believe like me, talk like me. Doesn't matter. Of course you can. There's always room at the table. So how about us? You know, what about our table? Think about that as we approach Thanksgiving here in just a few weeks. And, and you might get through this message and get to next week and go, wait a minute, you were a little bit ahead. No, I was right on time with what we're doing today and talking about Thanksgiving, because we have some time to make some plans, maybe that the Lord might want to shift some gears, right? So how about your table? How big is your table? Is there always room for more at your table, even for the ones that we may expect the least, right? We say this because of what the gospel has done in and to me, right? Well, because of what the gospel has done in and to us, are we putting into practice this radical generosity that produces this fruit of irresistible hospitality in our lives? This is kind of where we get to go and high five the setting the table series in March just a little bit today, by the way, all right? Obviously, we know that God's table always has room for more. As he's preparing this great banquet that's going to happen one day soon, he continues, listen, he continues to send out the invites, and he's doing that through us. He continues to issue the invitations through us. He wants to use us to issue his invitations of hope and joy and life and purpose. He, but, and he also is continuing to wait for the RSVPs. So Jesus talked a lot about this great banquet to come. In fact, in scripture, there's many references to the banquet. I did just a simple search. There's over 100 references to this very moment that we will all get to take part in for those of us who've surrendered our lives to say, give me Jesus. I don't want anything else than anyone else but you, Jesus. I've tasted and seen of your goodness. You've changed my life. Luke 14, verses 12 through 24 we see Jesus teaching. He starts to teach a little bit about humility. Someone comes and sits down in a chair and da da da, da. I would encourage you to read it, but, but we're not gonna start there. But he's starting to teach about humility and, and he's talking about the kingdom and he's giving vision for this banquet to come. Look at verse 12. We're gonna pick up where Jesus uses the banquet as an illustration. And let's look at what he says together in verse 12. He says, when you put on a lunch or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. They're, they'll just invite you back and that's gonna be your only reward. He says, no, instead invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who can never repay you. 
Now let's pause to examine what Jesus is saying, but also what he's not saying. What Jesus is saying is, don't confine your guest list to friends and fam and the comfortable and the relationships you currently have or the rich. Don't, don't just do that. He's not saying ignore them. And he's not even saying don't invite them. He's just saying don't limit to that. If you only invite them, there will most likely be something in return for you. It's going to come with its own advantages. It's going to come with perks attached. Most likely they could repay you and then some. He's saying if these are the only invites you send out, you will most likely receive a return invitation. That will be your reward, he's saying. And while that could be a good reward, there's a suggestion that, but there's so much more. There's so much more for you, right? There's, there's so much more. Jesus is not forbidding normal social life activity. Please don't hear that. Of course, he, you want your friends and your fam there, right? He's not forbidding. Um, what he's trying to emphasize is this. There, there is no generosity in giving to people who can give you something back in return. No. So he's saying, invite those who no one else may invite. Invite those who no one else may even see, who most people may ignore. You see them. You be the one to issue the invitation to the kingdom banquet to them. Invite those who no one else may even think about. Why? Because God thinks about them. Because God sees them. Because God wants them invited. God wants them at his table. Invite the poor. Invite the lame. Invite the cripple. Invite the broken. Invite the blind, right? Invite them. This will obviously take a different level of intentionality on our behalf. This means we've got to slow down and breathe. This means maybe we've got to create some margin in our life so that we can see the minimalized. One may wonder, well, why should we be deliberately interested in these people? Because Jesus is deeply interested in these people. He's deeply invested in these people. So in the book of, let's just pause the Luke, go to the book of Matthew. Jesus now reveals his heart. He gives vision for what deliberate, a deliberate life of love and hospitality might look like. Look at Matthew 25 with me if you want to go there. Matthew 25, I'll mark my page. Matthew 25, starting in verse 34, says this. It says, come, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the, the least of my brothers, you did it to me. So see, Jesus is saying, he, he's trying to give us a picture of who's, really, who's really near to his heart. The other night, um, this weekend, I should say yesterday, in fact, <laughs> long we got. yesterday, um, Kyle and I kind of had a little day together and... Um, and uh, we started with, I had to do a wedding, so he got to go to the wedding with me, and he wanted to know where his place was to stand and what his role was going to be. I said, you just stand there and look cute, right? So we did the wedding, and then we were going to go to the Astros team store, and then he wanted to go to the mall, and he wanted to go to lunch, and he, okay, so you're, you're tracking, right? Well, um, I, I start looking, because I'm like, well, I don't know if the team store is open, so I'm, I'm, I'm searching, and, and I'm finding, and nothing. I see normal you know, life of, no, it's probably closed. But then I see something on their Facebook page that's open till eight. So we take off to downtown Houston, a team store. Guess what? It was closed. 
not bitter, but so we had an hour in the car just to hang out and talk. But on the way back, you know, from the team store, we, we, we take this left and we're going towards back to get on 59. And, and we pass by this village, if you will, of homeless people. And that grabbed Kyle. He had a lot of questions. So we had a good chance, an opportunity to talk. You know, most of the time, what we do is we see these people laying down on the, on the ground, on the concrete, and this is their life. And, and, and then we start to create our own narrative. Or maybe we, we turn and, and not look because we don't want to make eye contact. Or, or maybe we come to the corner and there's the beggar and, and we just kind of want to act like, oh, we're on our phone and we're busy and we got to go and hurry up, green light, in Jesus' name, go. And, and, and we, but listen, Jesus is saying these are people who are near to his heart. And maybe just because that's what we see and that's what we determine is poverty, maybe there's people right here in the house that actually are living in their own sense of poverty. It just doesn't look like laying on the street corner. Maybe they're spiritually impoverished. Maybe they're mentally or emotionally impoverished. Maybe there's people in our neighborhood. I can't help but continue to remember how many suicides have been taking place just right here in the 386. Spiritually impoverished. These are the people that are near to the heart of God, the hungry, the thirsty, the poor, the stranger, the foreigner, the immigrant, the invisible, the naked, the needy, the sick, the imprisoned. This is who we're called to. There are so many of these missing from the table. Listen, we've got a calling. Not only that, we've got a privilege to issue an invitation into the kingdom of God, to the great banquet, to these people. And they're all around us. They're everywhere. Sometimes they glow in the dark and it's easy to see, but many, many, many times walking through the aisles of H-E-B, you don't even know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on at the core of their being or in the heart of hearts of that person. The depth of hurting, right? So why should we be deliberately interested? Because Jesus is deeply interested in these people. He's deeply, back to our story, Luke 14, verse 12. Don't invite your, don't just invite your friends and fam and the comfortable Open the table, not just on Thanksgiving. It just so happens that it's easy, low-hanging fruit for us to evaluate. Open your life up. Invite the poor, invite the needy, invite the broken. Invite the blind, the lame. Jesus says, at the resurrection of the righteous, the very story we just looked at in Matthew, he says, then God will reward you for inviting those who could never repay you. Now, hearing this, the man sitting at the table with Jesus says, man, what a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. So Jesus replies with a story. And here he's just about to illustrate with a, with a story to emphasize his point. He says, a man prepared a great feast, sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent the servants to tell the guests, come now, the banquet's ready, come on. But they all begin to make excuses. One said, well, I just bought a field and must inspect it, so please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Don't miss verse 20. What he's saying is, culturally speaking, religiously speaking, I just got married, so the bridegroom's going to be staying at home for at least a year hanging out. That's what the cultural tells me to do to be the good, right, religious person. But that's his excuse. I just got married, and religiously speaking, you know, I'm obligated to stay home with boo, right? See, I wonder if anyone was picking up what Jesus is laying down right here. Interesting to me how this timeless story speaks at loud volumes even to us today. It's tragic how we tend to suffer maybe from some of the same syndromes, right? Here you have some people who want to affirm that they are seeking the kingdom somewhat, 
but their quickness to excuses reveal the truth that they have very little true affection for the kingdom. I mean, how many times has God initiated us, right? Invited us to participate in his kingdom purposes, in the work of his kingdom, and rather than our immediate acceptance, we just issue an excuse. I'm so tired. I'm so overwhelmed. The kids are so busy. My calendar's so crazy. I just can't do that. You know, we've got, we got prom. I actually heard this once. We got prom coming up. We can't sow into the kingdom. Okay. No, I'm not judging you. You, do, you gotta do what you gotta do. I've heard these things. And, and again, no judge. It's just... Listen to me, how many times has God invited us? He's issued the invite to us to participate with him. But we give the excuse. Now look at verse 21. The servant returns and tells his master what they had said. He, he gives report to all the, the different excuses that he's heard. His master's furious and he says this. Okay, then go quickly. Go into the streets and the alleys of the town. Invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the blind, invite the lame. After the servant had done this, he reports there's still room for more. There's still room for more. After the servant had gone into the streets and the alleys, um, after the servant had gone to those who seemed um, little value to the rest of society, after the servant had gone to those who could never repay such a level of generosity, can you see the heart of hospitality and generosity of the master? After all this, he says, there's still room for more. There's still room for more at the banquet. There's still room for more at my table. If those first invites don't want it, if the streets and alleys doesn't fill it, then he says this in 23, he says, go down to the country lanes. Go behind the hedges. Do what you got to do. Urge anyone you find to come so that, don't miss this right here, so that the house might be full. This is the heart of the master. So that the house might be full. Why would he want the house to be full? Why would Jesus want the house to be full? Because he realizes the great significance of the banquet. The master wants the house to be full. So let's dive just a bit deeper into the guest list if we can. What does the poor and the cripple and the blind and the lame potentially represent? And I say potentially because I can't say contextually. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. But as I'm praying and as I'm studying, this is kind of some of the, just the little examples that I feel like that the Spirit of God said to me contextually to our context. All right. What does the poor, the cripple, the blind, the lame represent? I think, first of all, if you just think of that um, on a macro level, the, the least of these would re- describe basically the culturally unclean, um, the cursed, those that society would have steered clear of. I mean, I, I think of the leper, right? The leper, go outside the camp, stay outside the city gate. If, if anyone is within eyesight of you, start screaming leper so they know to stay away from you because you're unclean. That's, that's the, the immediate that comes to my mind. But listen, the master wanted the house to be full, right? The master had this heart of compassion. He, he wanted to host an incredible banquet for people. He had this desire for his table to be full. I want us to understand possibly the poor. Might this be the people that even we might socially disagree with, right? They've got a different moral compass than us. Their lifestyle doesn't necessarily align. I heard a story just last week um, as we were at this conference at Gateway Church in South Lake, and, and it was talking about how this one guy who just, you know, felt like he had to be, you know, God's warrior for all things morally right, and all of a sudden this guy comes in shuffling into the house of God, and he's wearing a hat, and this guy, this man walks right up to him and says, boy, you better take that hat off in the house of God. And when this pastor saw it, he kind of jumped him and said, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. He said, let me, let me just say this, my friend. You wear your hat. You do what you need to do here. 
And, and I just hope that that didn't offend you. Just know that you're loved here. The Lord loves you. We love you. And he said, I, can I go, I'm going to go talk to my friend. He pulled the man aside. He said, hey, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? How dare you try to be God's spokesman on something as simple and silly and trivial like that? You need to sit down. You need to sit. Why? Well, because this guy, he, the guy didn't socially agree, right? I mean, he might think, well, well, he doesn't behave the way I do. Can I tell you something? <laughs> None of us do, right? Like, if you're visiting today, welcome home. This is not a, this is not a perfect church. And, and if we were, you just screwed it up because we're all screwed up in some way. I am. I'm quick to tell you. <laughs> Like, if you're, if you're looking for the perfect pastor, keep looking. <laughs> I will tell you my mess, right? I'm just asking the Lord every day, oh, God, please turn my mess into a miracle, God, please. But I'm just telling you, look, there are going to be those that we socially just don't agree with. We don't align. They don't behave like us. But you know what? God has invested in them. And who made the rule that says you've got to behave before you belong? And who also made the rule that said, you know, um, you got to behave before you believe. I mean, I think that the Lord wants everyone in the house. He wants the house to be full. And how will the house ever be filled if people feel like I'm not going to be accepted there because I don't behave like they do. I'm socially not in alignment with them. I don't want to be there. So maybe that represents the poor. What about the cripple? Maybe the, maybe, maybe the people that the cripple could be the, the people that we culturally disagree with. Just maybe, I don't know, you know, our advantage versus their lack. I mean, we're in America and they're not. And maybe it's not just an international thing, but maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's a racial thing. One of the hardest seasons of walking through pastoring, honestly, was during what happened to George Floyd. It didn't feel like there was a win. And if I'm just being candid, if I'm just being honest, it's because too many times, far too often, we just sing, yeah, um, actually, we're about to sing a song called Make Room here in a minute because we're just gonna ask the Lord to make room in our heart. But there's this part in the bridge that says something about, like, basically, you know, um, strip away all my religion and my tradition because your way is better. Do you know how many people are making religion out of racism and politics? I'm just going to lay that there and let, you, let that fester. And if that offends you, be offended today. It's time to be offended, by the way, for the right reasons. Because the heart of God is breaking while we're dancing and blowing shofars in the name of politics. Maybe the cripple are those that we culturally disagree with, right? I don't know. But what, they, don't, they don't belong the way we do. Right? What about the blind? The blind. Maybe the, the, the people we politically disagree with, they just can't see truth. They can't see truth. I had someone once tell me, I don't even know where you stand, Pastor, politically. I said, that means I'm doing my job. I said, because I'm going to tell you right now, there are people sitting in the Declaration House who love Jesus and who I love and who God really loves. And they may not vote like you, but they do believe that they're voting their biblical values. And that's tough to hear, but that's true. It gets a little tense. 
But maybe the blind are the people who politically don't agree with us. They don't align with us. They don't, they, they don't ballot like me. They don't believe like me. They don't belong like me. They don't ballot like me. Right? It's tough. Listen, I, I, but maybe that's who God is saying, you need to issue the invite to the kingdom, to the banquet. Check your kingdom. Check your kingdom. Check your kingdom loyalty. What about the lame? Maybe the people that we religiously, we theologically disagree with them. They are denominationally deformed, pastor. They don't get it. They don't understand the scripture the way I do. Meanwhile, they show off their seat seats on their robes because they're so righteous. And if you don't know what I mean, that's okay. It's just a lot of religious talk. But if you know what I mean, you know exactly what I'm saying. They wear their shawls proudly. But they don't think the way I do theologically. They don't believe the way I do. They don't belong the way I do. They don't behave the way I do. They don't believe the way I do. They don't ballot the way I do. But guess what? They still, be, they still matter deeply to the heart of God. And this is what the people of God, we've got to wrap our heart around the heart of God so that all of a sudden we don't start subdividing people into their own little groups that we judge them by to determine whether or not they belong in the house of God or in the kingdom of God or at the banquet of God. The master wants the house full. And there's always room at his table. Please listen. Our listeners in the story, maybe they weren't ready for the plot twist that Jesus just gave, right? Maybe we aren't either, if I'm being honest. Maybe right now, you're, you're kind of frustrated. I don't want you to be frustrated. I want you to be faithful. I don't want us to just live, you know, biblically frustrated. I want us to begin to be biblically formed. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing my heart? I mean, I know right now in our society, there's so much tension, there's so much disagreement, there's so much strife, but can I tell you something? Listen, this life is a vapor. In the span of eternity, this moment is a vapor. It's an important moment. But do we trust the sovereignty and the headship of the king of kings, or do we not? I read something this morning, actually, I didn't know this was gonna come out, but basically, you know what stress is? Stress is the feelings that we get of the things that we cannot control. The, the listeners, they may not have been ready for the plot twist. The religious elite, for sure, they would not have appreciated the story that Jesus was unpacking in his day. Many religious elite would not appreciate this very story today. What Jesus is saying that his kingdom is one that is generously offered to the outcasts. Oh my gosh, the master, after being denied, basically invites the poor and the broken to the banquet. Historically speaking, from the time of the giving of the law, please understand, those physically blemished people were barred from full participation in worship. Go just read Leviticus chapter 21. They were barred from participation in worship. And here is who the master is inviting to the banquet. Those that would have been barred. Look, the rule had been rigorously stressed inside that community. Their disabilities would have forced so many of them into poverty, thus making them outcasts to normal society. And here we are, right, at this incredible feast um, with this la these lavishly appointed tables full of endless entrees that are just exquisite cuisine set before many who could not, some of them couldn't even see it at all. They were just blind beggars. And that's where they are. What a picture of the gospel. 
Listen, how beautiful is the gospel that Jesus would invite the subclasses of society. How beautiful is the gospel that Jesus would desire to host those of less noble standing. How beautiful is the gospel that Jesus would invite the blind and the beggars to his banquet. Yet even still, in the story Jesus told, there was still room for more. There was still room for more at his table. I mean, I look around Sunday by Sunday and I see empty chairs. It doesn't discourage me. I hope it doesn't discourage you. It shows me the opportunity of how much room for more there is in God's house. Every chair represents somebody. It could be your neighbor. It could be the neighbor that you don't disagree, uh, that you don't agree with, that you don't align with, that, that doesn't behave like you, that doesn't belong like you, that doesn't believe like you, that doesn't battle like you. That chair could be for them, and that invite just might save them from suicide. That chair could be for that person that you run into in the grocery store that for whatever reason, you just feel like you got to engage. Even if it's with an eye-to-eye contact, a smile, a how are you this afternoon, as simple as it is, it could lead to an invite that literally could change generations of families forever. Those chairs are so important. So important. How does the story end? Verse 24, it says, none of those first invited will even get to taste the smallest taste of my banquet. They denied the invite. They rejected the RSVP. Other things were too important for them in the moment when the banquet was ready. See, none of those first invites sent, they're, get, they're not gonna get a taste according to the master. They didn't, they didn't really want what the master really had to offer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They didn't really want what he really had to offer. Maybe they didn't feel like they needed what he had. Maybe it was just an inconvenient time frame for them. They were just a little too, I don't know, maybe they had better things to do, more important things to do than tend to the banquet with the master. Here's something that we need to see today. Listen, the invitation of the master is conditional to your acceptance. It's conditional to, this may make us feel a little uncomfortable. Honestly, when I typed it and looked at it, I was like, that makes me feel a little uncomfortable. But the invitation of the master is conditional to your acceptance. Is Jesus really calling us to the least of these? Is Jesus really calling us to be a good host to the broken? Those who don't look like us, think like us, believe like us, behave like us, vote like us, belong like us, smell like us, act like us, talk like the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Those who maybe aren't like us, right? Socially, culturally, theologically, politically. Those who aren't our friends, even though those who maybe, 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 maybe we even think of them as our enemy, God is even invested in those that we think might be our enemy. Let me go, let me just dig into this a little bit. Proverbs 25, 21 says, if your enemies are hungry, give them food to eat. If they're thirsty, give them water to drink. I've never seen in the last few weeks of, of, of the news cycles with Ukraine and Russia, a more beautiful picture of the gospel than when the Russians come to the Ukrainians and they put their weapons down and they say, I don't want to do this. And they're invited into the Ukrainians' home and the Ukrainians feed them. And that's real. That, that's been happening all over the Ukraine. 
Psalm 23, 5, we, we know this is this, this amazing passage that brings so much peace and, and just gentle streams of comfort over our hearts, especially in times of loss. But Psalm 23, 5 says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head. Look, in the presence of my enemies, often, if you're like me, I always think, oh, well, they're on the outskirts looking in. I'm like, look what I'm eating. You're not, right? Like, that's kind of the, anybody else? Just, no, I'm, I'm really, I told you I was messed up. But that's what I think of it. But let me ask you some questions. What if our enemies are also at the table with us? Well, could it be that Jesus, the master, wants them at the table as well? I mean, what if he's calling us to be the one to extend the invite to our enemy? Romans 12, 9 through 21. He's, Paul says, don't, don't just pretend to love others. No, no, be authentic. Right? Not appearance, authentic. Be authentic. Really love them. Really do. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tight to what is good, but love them. You may think they're wrong. You hold tight to what's good, but love them. Love each other with genuine affection, Paul says. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically every day, not just Thanksgiving Day, every day. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them, he says. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Paul tells us in verse 20, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. So let me ask, who might be our enemy today that the Lord is wanting at his table? Who could that be? Maybe we won't say that or even think, we don't want to think that way, but, but what... What if we're saying that maybe with how we're living and what, some of the things that we're saying in the public square, maybe not to each other? Our lifestyle. What if our lifestyle is saying that we're ignoring you because you're my enemy? I mean, what if we're saying something that we don't even mean to say by our ignoring of the outcasts around us? So let's, let's also be careful to assume who the outcasts are. Let's not assume, right? Um, it's possible that there are those, like I said, sitting in this room right now that feel like an outcast. Maybe you've been sitting here week after week and just wanting someone to even notice you. It's possible every day in the offices that we work in, in the gyms that we work out in, um, I'm crying really hard, um, at the schools, right? At the schools where our kids attend, right? Um, at the MDOs where we drop our kids off, at the restaurants we frequent, in the stores where we shop, it's possible the people that we are around every day feel like the misfit. The many around us every day, maybe they feel like the outcasts. But oh, how beautiful, listen, is that the gospel is offered to the outcasts. Here's the truth today. Look, we can mistakenly treat people like our enemy if we're not willing to really love them well. The blind, the lame, the crippled. The beggar, the poor. Are we able to sit at the table with those that we don't agree with? Are we able to invite people to the table whom we may not agree with? Or in today's society, are we willing to stay at the, watch this, are we willing to stay at the table even when we can't agree with someone or something? Could it be that God may know better than us? I'm just gonna stay here. I'm gonna keep my place. I'm not gonna throw my plate. I'm not gonna push my chair back. I don't agree. Think about this. Jesus said it. How many, how many tables did Jesus sit at with Judas? I know I've said this before. I read something like it. But our love for Jesus is really equivalent to the person that we love the least. So consider Thanksgiving. Consider it. And you're sitting at your table 
with people maybe who think differently than you do, socially, theologically, culturally, politically? Can you sit at the table and love them? Because here's the real deal. Some of your family's coming and they do not think the way you do. <laughs> and the, you know, just like I often joke about, you want to get, see it get interesting real quick? Well, hey, can we talk about religion, politics, and so, you know, like, I don't know, multi-level marketing? Can we do that? Like three, three trifectas right there, right? Like, just watch, it'll, it'll be super fun for you. <laughs> but seriously, this is coming. Can you sit at the table and see kingdom? Who is it that God desires at your table? Therefore, who is it that God is asking you to invite to the table? Not just Thanksgiving, yes, but also every day. Remember this? I don't know. Those of us who were here at the time, we did this together. Do you remember this? During setting the table, all these cards of all these people, these invite cards, these, these placeholder cards that we have. Remember this? All these cards, look at this, look at all these cards, people, these are all people, all these people, people, these are people who you've been praying for, people who God cares about deeply, people who you said, you know, these people believe God wants them at the table. These are the people that God wants you to be focusing on right now. These are the people that we're going to pray for in just a minute because God laid them on your heart months ago. Some of these people are the poor, they're the cripple, they're the blind, they're the lame, they're the beggar, they're the outcast, they're the misfit. And socially, they may not think like you, believe like you, belong like you, behave like you, ballot like you. They may culturally be different than you. They may politically may be completely on the opposite side of the world from you. That means theologically, they, they may not understand. That's a, these are people that God is deeply interested and invested in. He loves them and he wants them at his table. There's so much more room at the table, do you see it? Because we were the misfits, we were the outcasts, but God, but God. The grace of God was extended and offered to us, the outcasts. The mercy of God was extended and offered to us, the misfits. He took us as misfits and made so many miracles happen. Therefore, every day should be about the table because we have found so much hope and life at the table of the Lord. And we have a promise of the table. So every day is Thanksgiving. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. You know, Jesus has extended his glorious invitation to us. So let's not find ourselves just giving excuses to him. Matthew 25, let me just read this. Verse 31 says this, if you wanna go there. Jesus is saying, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. So here's a truth that you can hang your hat on. Jesus is coming again. He's coming soon. Right now, he is preparing a table. Pause there and let me read John 4, 1 through 3 for you. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus speaking. He says, there's more than enough room in my Father's home. There's always room at the table. If this were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you, he says. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. So see, there's room at his table. There's room for more at his table. He is right now preparing a place 
for each of us. And he is coming soon for us. Back to Matthew 32. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you cared for me. I was in prison, you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality, naked, give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will return to those on the left. And this is where it's tragic. The excuse makers, if you will. And say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me into your home. I was naked. You did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison. You didn't visit me. Then they will pray, Lord, when, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And I will go away and they will go away, he says, into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. That passage is worth its own message. That passage can be terrifying, <laughs> but also very peace giving. So let's just end where we began, Luke 14, 12 and 13. He turned to the host, Jesus. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't just invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. They'll invite you back. And that's going to be your only reward. Instead, instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Who is missing from the table? From your table. From God's table. Who does God want at his table? Listen, there's, there's room for more. And time is short. Who needs to RSVP, maybe even in the house, to this grace, gracious and merciful filled invitation that he is extending to you? You've resisted for long enough. You've said, I don't like that food. But, but maybe you're here and now you realize, no, no, no. I've got a place at the table of God and he loves me. He's so deeply invested in me. Maybe your name is on one of these cards. I don't know. But I can tell you this right now, the kindness and the love and the pay, the, the, just the peace and the mercy and the goodness of God is just reaching into your life, issuing this invite to take your place at his table. And maybe you're here right now and you would just close your eyes and say, Jesus, I want to be at your table. I believe you. I'm calling upon your name right now and asking you to save me. Would you just say that to him or something like it? just in your heart of hearts. Maybe you're online. You would just take this moment and say, I'm going to RSVP to this invite. I want to be at the table. Jesus, I believe you. I need your forgiveness. Make me a new person. Empty me of all pain from my past, all shame and regret. Fill me with new life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. To pray those things.
is God calling us to invite today? Maybe who is it that we're hesitant to invite? Maybe who is it that we're trying to avoid? Maybe who is it that we're trying to resist? Who are the outcasts that God may be calling us to? Who are those that have been excommunicated from society, right? The social outcasts, those living maybe even in sinful behaviors. They don't believe like us. They don't belong like us. They don't behave like us. God loves them. Who's missing from the table? Maybe you got an empty chair next to you. Who's missing from the table? Jesus, would you just speak to us in ways that only you can? Hey, would you just take a minute right now and just thank him. Thank him for his grace and his mercy. Thank him for your place at his table. Will you do that? How kind our God is. How good our God is. Amen. How good he is. I'm going to give you just a moment. Here's what I want us to do. I'm going to invite the team just to sing a little bit of this song over us. And if you need prayer this morning, I'm going to have some prayer partners over on this wall. And we're just going to sing a verse and a chorus today. And I want to give you a moment just to respond. Why don't you stand to your feet? If you, you see all these cards up here, if you will. Maybe you would feel led to just, just come and, and just pray. Just come and just in faith, step forward in faith and just kind of just pray over every family. These cards represent people. But just let's respond for just a minute to the Lord. Let's make room for him. As we're saying, God, we are making room. There's always room at your table, Lord Jesus. But if you need prayer, please go. Grab one of those prayer partners, those elder families, those pastoral staff, and let them pray with you as we sing just a verse and a chorus. Let's respond to the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe today you need to take the next step in your faith, whether that be giving your life to Christ, or maybe you would like prayer and need to be contacted by one of our pastors. In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to an online connection card. And if you feel led, there will also be a link there where you can give directly to the ministries of Declaration Online. We would love to hear from you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.